Welcome back, everybody. Apparently, this week, we're only having Vancouver actors on. We had a wonderful conversation with Bethany Brown, and now we're welcoming Erin Carplack to the show. You'll know her from Godiva's or being Erica. You've seen her in a lot of places. Let's find out all about Erin. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's, it's my pleasure. I love Vancouver. I really, really do. I, I loved it when I went there, um, which was a couple of years ago. My wife has one of her childhood friends that lives in Vancouver. Uh, Masha, if you're watching, hello. Um, and um, lately, again, since May of last year when I started this show, I've had so many Canadian actors on and so many actors from Vancouver. I'm starting to get kind of that vibe. And I am seeing, and uh, this is a terrible way of uh, equating it, but you know how when you get into a, a, a car and you know this car is yours? You know, mm -hmm. I had that with my Audi. You know, I test drove BMW, Mercedes. I know my problems. And then I got into an Audi and I just knew, nope, this is mine. And I'm starting to get that same vibe with, uh, with Vancouver. The more people I talk to, the more I'm realizing that I think Vancouver is my vibe. So I think that's where I'm going. Oh, I love that. Did you? Question: Did yeah. you? Where did you go to Vancouver? I'm just curious. Did I, I missed the first part of the question. Go ahead. What time of the year did you go? Yeah, good question. It was uh, summer, so uh, it was beautiful. And then we had rain, so I was there for I think we were there for uh, for two or three days. Then we were there in uh, beautiful sunny weather, and we were there when it's dreary, which made me question. And I asked every Vancouver actor that I had on. Why can we not have the um, all of your beautiful buildings? Why do they have to be gray? Can't we make them in a different color? Because then when it's dreary outside, it still looks bright and lovely as opposed to it only is beautiful when it's sunny and the water kind of uh, reflects onto your buildings. Chicago has a lot of different colors. So does, you know, so does San Francisco. So do a lot of different places. Vancouver should be doing that. There is one. There's a bright pink building downtown now because I'm I'm back in Canada uh, yeah. in Vancouver. I was living in LA for ten years. Mm. I'm still there. like I mean I'm back and forth. Um, but I went back to Vancouver and it's the first time I've been there permanently. I mean COVID permanently. Um, mm. in ten years and the landscape there is a there's a bright pink building there. But what I am learning is that. I'm actually in Alberta now. I also split time with my family in Alberta, which is the neighboring province. It's minus uh, 40 degrees Celsius this morning. So mm -hmm. I'm wearing But I mean, I would prefer the sunshine in Alberta and minus 40 degrees than mm -hmm. Vancouver winters, which are just gray. But like the thing about Vancouver is when you have a nice day there, it's worth it because it's one mm -hmm. of the most like, one of the most spectacular cities and spring there it's already getting lighter out the magnolia trees are just starting to burst and the cherry blossoms are coming out and it's i mean it's spectacular but 30 days of gray rain unless i'm working i'm going to alberta because i'm i'm with you and again in chicago you know we have we actually have and i was surprised by that because you know we went to portland we went to seattle we went to vancouver and then we saw in terms of the actual amount of uh, rain. We Chicago has more rain. We just have, you know, two days when it's pouring, as opposed to, you know, Vancouver is going to have a couple of weeks of just a little bit of drizzle. So we actually have probably as much water, but we just don't have it in that, you know, the duration of days. 
And in terms of rain versus snow, I am 100% a snow person. I love yeah. snow, but I hate driving in it. So that's where it comes to like, okay, well, in the rain, I can still do everything. In the snow, yeah, driving, that's where a lot of the accidents and everything happens. My wife woke me up uh, you know, a week ago on a Sunday morning because she had to go somewhere. So, you know, out goes the shovel and uh, husband wakes up. It's, I prefer the rain from that perspective. Fair enough. Yeah, you got to start the car, just like smash up all the ice. Yep. The whole thing. I'll, I'll take it over the rain. But it's everyone to each their own. I I really want to go to Chicago. I hear yes. amazing things. I want to go to the restaurants there and eat my face off. And yeah, yeah. everyone has things to say about it. I've never been. Wait, wait a little bit. Hopefully, things uh, continue on. Uh, you know, progressing. And then uh, September is is uh, probably the month that I would recommend the most because it's not as hot anymore. It's gorgeous. And Chicago. You know, you've been to Toronto, so it'll remind you of Toronto in a lot of ways because of the lakefront and kind of the downtown area. And then uh, it's just a very, very pretty architecturally uh, speaking and layout uh, city. It's very, it's it's one of my favorite places. Even if I wasn't living here, I still uh, would love to visit it because it's just really, really nice. Nice, nice. Anyway, so enough, uh, enough about that. Let's. Uh, for those people who are not familiar with you, who have not watched, uh, you know, Godiva's or any of the other things that you were on, can you fill people in as to kind of your background and how you got into acting in the first place? Oh my God, how long do we have? Uh, as long as you would like. Um, I think it's interesting you keep mentioning Godiva's because I, I don't hear that show as much right now, and it was my first. Um, a series like lead of a series it was an ensemble cast but she, the my character kind of helmed it she was this bossy type that came from Toronto to Vancouver to help her that was um, needing assistance and then you have this just like incredible wonderful cast anyways when I went to audition for it I thought well there's no way I'm getting a lead part in a series and I read the description and this is good this is one thing I learned early and I'm grateful for is um, in the description, it just said, you know, prototype, like she's a bossy type A, yada, yada, yada. And mm -hmm. I kind of looked at it and was like, well, I'm just going to do it my own way. And I, I brought my own, whatever intrinsically is Aaron to that mm -hmm. part. I remember I went into that and I just thought there's no way I'm going to get this. So I had no fear. All the producers were there and I was like, pa, 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 pa. And I did my thing and, you know, thanks. And I, I knew it went well. Like sometimes as an actor, you know if it goes well but it's always still up in the air anyways I, I ended up getting the part and the producers told me they were like yeah you are not what we were looking for we so wanted this like kind of type a something 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 and then you came in and you brought this different element and ended up getting it so it's it that was like my first really cool acting lesson and i have to remind myself because sometimes you know they just they just want you to be such a certain way and you have to kind of be authentic to yourself and uh, anyways, so it's a big question you asked. I guess that was Let, my Let's Breaking pause for a second. Let's pause for a second because for all of the actors, uh, you know, that I've talked to, this pattern emerges over and over again, which is if you're going to the audition trying to please somebody else, it's not going to work. If you're going to the audition, you're just going to do what you feel you want to be doing. Uh, more often than not, that's when you get noticed and you book. Some people call it the... Uh, and we can swear on the show. Some people uh, call it the uh, I've reached a point where I don't give a fuck uh, type of uh, approach, 
where you go in and you just do what you feel you want to do without worrying about it. And somehow that completely allows you to be authentic, frees you up. And that's what really people are looking for. And then they may change their mind. I, I had an audition where, you know, I got the part as opposed to a guy who was perfect for it based on how they were viewing it. And they looked at me and they said, no, this is more of what we're looking for. We didn't even realize it. So it was weird. I certainly you know, was not a fit based on their initial description, but you have no idea. Just go do it and see. And that's that, and then and and so so true. And then I also find in doing that, it also any kind of like another thing that actors deal with is like you know anxiety and competition and comparisons and stuff. And I kind of also learned at a certain point. Let's take Vancouver for example. There's like a, a pocket of us girls that work there in my demo that I've been auditioning with for 20 years. And it there came a, a point where, you know, I'll go in and I'll be with Michelle Harrison and Sonia Bennett and Chayla and Leo O'Brien and Tammy Gillis. And we'll be sitting there in the room and we can all do the job. We all know what we're doing, but it's just really all you, the only competition you have is for me is to go in there and give them my best, my best Aaron, because Tammy can't do what I do. Chayla can't do what I do. I can't do what Tammy does. I can't do what Meryl Streep was. Meryl Streep can't do what I do because she's not me. So really, I. By the way, I love I love Meryl Streep, but um, I just that to say like when you go in, all you're only in competition with yourself. Go in and do your best job possible, and then it's really leave it up to the directors and the producers to be like, you know what, we like the Chayla flair, we like the Tammy flair, we like the Alan flair. We're gonna choose Aaron for this one, and then it frees you up to just be present and do your best job at the part. I think actually Brian Cranston, this is not my revelation, Brian Cranston talked about it in uh, in some sort of a medium something and uh, it really resonated with me. So also again, just like be yourself. That comes with experience and age too. Uh, and it happens a lot actually when, they, when it's younger actors that don't know that they're supposed to be doing something different and they're just being themselves. So, and then we go through that part where we all of a sudden are told, no, you have to do it this way. And then you have to put this in and then you have to account for this. And then when you go into the casting director's office, you have to ask them, where's my frame? And then some casting directors love it. Some casting directors hate it. And then all of these things go into the play and you're like, okay, I, I forgot what it is that I'm supposed to be doing here in the first place. Yeah. And that's where, you know, with age, with experience, you get to a point of, hey, I'm me, I'm good. I have a perspective on this particular, um, you know, scene that I'm reading. I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to be you know, malleable in case they ask me to change something. I'll take that and then I'll give them something else. And then I'll go home and I'm not going to worry about it. And if it works, it works. Easier said than done, though. When you're starting off, like, it is yeah. terrifying. And you do, everything's external. You're like, I don't know what I'm doing. And I should be saying this. And how do I, like, without that, without the craft and then also the technique to back it. I remember I, I got my degree in uh, a Bachelor of Fine Arts in theater, and it was wonderful. I learned Shakespeare and voice and movement and all this wonderful stuff. And then I booked my first television series, and I showed up on set, and I had my coffee pot and the spiky hair, and I was playing a secretary on a Warner Brothers show, Glory Days. I think it was Kevin Williamson, so I was really excited. Anyways, I'd go in there with my coffee pot, and the camera guys are like, hey, number ones, number ones, everyone. I just sat there like shit-eating grin, staring around with my coffee pot. And finally, the ACAM operator, I think his name is Taylor. He's like, Aaron, that means good on your first mark. And I was like, 
radio. And then, you know, and then I learned, but like, they don't teach you that stuff in theater school by, by any stretch. So it's, it's, it's definitely like a, a learning curve as, as they say. That's and the part. Casting director, sorry, here I am blabbing away. Um, like you said, when you go into audition, you're like, what do they want? What is their frame? This, this, that. It's so like them judging me, them judging me. It's awful. Like I've been debilitated with nerves and anxiety for auditions. And then you kind of like, you still get nervous. I think it's normal and natural to a certain degree. Um, but when I go into the room, I also remember that casting directors, producers, directors, they're people, they're creatives. They had to interview to get the job as well. And I kind of think, you know what? I'm going to go in there and show them a really good time. I'm going to go in there. I've done my work, prepare the crap out of it. That helps me with any nerves. And then I'm like, I'm just going to show them a really good time. And then I'm going to walk out of the room and it's none of my business. What happens after that point? But if I get this five minutes and I've spent eight hours and all this time into it, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to show them a good time because they want you to get the part. They want you to succeed. They don't want to be like, Oh, like, you know, mm -hmm. she's nervous. She's this or that. So, I'm like, you know what, let's, we might as well have a good time doing this. And if it's a fit, it's a fit. And if not, which is more often, it is not, like your odds as an actor, then, you know, at least try to learn to have fun with it. So show them a good time. That kind of takes the pressure off too. Make it about them. Hmm. I like it. We're going to write that down. Show them a good time. I didn't even answer your first question, by the way. Because I keep interrupting you. I'm like, look on IMDb. How was my, I forget what the question was. Yeah, uh, I, I keep interrupting you, and uh, they, uh, I'm gonna do it, do it again, and, and go off on a tangent. But the not the graduating from a theater program, spending all of this time getting prepared for work, and then not being really prepared for work because they never taught you how to actually be on a set, what marks are, what is that terminology, how to actually find an agent, how to uh, book, what type of auditioning things there are, like. They don't prepare you for that. To me, that's just ludicrous. You're spending all of this time and money. You know what? Have another class or have work class or have, you know, a lot of the professions have ability to intern. Have a way for your soon-to-be actors to be ready to actually start flying once they're out of the program. And a lot of places still don't do that. It frustrates me to a huge, huge degree. I guess that's why. I mean, I did. I went the theater route, and they certainly mm -hmm. didn't. I think we had one day where we watched Michael Caine's acting on film, which I just think I have a couple of friends in town, not friends, but yeah. people in town that have approached me that said, you know, I want to get into acting, and they're in their 17, and I'm so excited because I'm like, oh, finally, I knew, you know, if I could be back at 17 and know now what I know. Anyways, I always still say to them, watch Michael Caine on acting because. It's it's a very brief thing. We did watch that, but they don't prepare you in theater schools, at least from what I remember. That's why, you know, there's film schools out there. Or like I really learned for film and television, which is what I love to do. I learned by taking acting classes in Vancouver through Lyric School, through like Ben Ratner, Shell Onsdale Smith, big Vancouver acting community, John Cassini. I learned taking acting classes, not like performance classes. And then um, also the best way to learn is just by being on set. Like I just shut my mouth for the first five years and I was like, and I would like watch what everyone did and I, you know, ask questions if appropriate, but, but you're right. Like they don't, they don't really prepare you for it. So there's a lot of potholes. There. Right. 
it's very frustrating. It's not just in Canada, it's in the US as well. You know, I, I speak with actors that have finished these incredible programs. And you know, these actors when they get on set, they don't know what a market. I'm like, this yeah. is you know, this is sad, really. Anyway, going back into the original question of a little background on you. Uh, of how we got there, but let's let's uh, break it up into smaller pieces. So the show is called The Love of Acting. Um, how did you fall in love with acting, and what led you to decide that this is what you want to do? I mean, I just ever since I can remember, I was I was obsessed with television. I loved Three's Company. I could not like. I was obsessed with watching Three's Company. I love how it made me felt. I love escaping into TV. I mean, my parents, they got a divorce and we can go into all the drama of it, but like it was a means of escape, but it made me feel better. And just from the earliest age, I had a big imagination. I loved, I grew up in a very small town in the mountains without any acting class or anything, but like playing make-believe with my friends and Star Wars and Barbies. And anyways, I remember being in grade 10, maybe. And again, there's no drama in Jasper. Like I played hockey, took my sciences, I, you know studied French that's that's all the electives and my best friend and I were up at the ski hill and she said she's like well what do you want to do and I was like well and it's the first time I said it out loud I said well I want to be an actor like doesn't everybody and she's like no she's an occupational therapist Jody but I, I was like doesn't like doesn't everyone like the idea to me to be able to like <laughs> essentially play make-believe for a living and mm -hmm. you know be on tv and and, and and to be able to reach people's homes and tell them stories. I was like, well, obviously. So it was, I can't even remember never not wanting to do it. I never had a backup plan. Um, so that answers the first part of the question. Yes, did I answer it? Yes, yeah. And then- Dream, uh, always, always, still is. Yeah, well, it's, that's good, right? That last piece of it still is because diving into the reality of what it actually means to be an actor and how difficult it is and how weird our industry is and having to go from Vancouver to LA and all of these things that come with it, you still love it. That I think is, is a big, big thing that I wanted to hear. Thank you for that. It's like Christmas morning, every morning. And I, I, I know you want to ask another question. I'll, I just, I will say that my very first day on set, I was at theater school and they had asked some of the girls from the department to audition for, um, it was, a, it was a TV show. It's called Seven Days, I think. Anyways, it was in Victoria, British Columbia. I ended up getting the part, and I had my very first day on set. And when I showed up, I was late. There's no cell phones back then. I I I, I showed up late. I didn't know where I was. I asked someone in a van. I said, "Oh, hi. I'm here. I'm playing someone's wife." And they're like, "Oh, your background. Go to background holding." And I was like, "Okay." So I went into this big warehouse. It was by the naval base, and I, you know, there was coffee and it was very cold and I was chatting with people there like really excited and I was there for probably 45 minutes like and then this woman came out and she said you know you're she kind of was giving us the spiel about being background performers and she said you know your background you don't talk to the director don't talk to the other actors da, 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 da. and I raised my hand and I said oh hi I just I do have my one line though do I still say that and she was like oh my god are you Aaron because obviously at this point I was like an hour late for my call time and again, no cell phones, anything. She's like, oh, right this way, Miss Carpluck. And then I get shuffled off and I say goodbye to my friends in the background. I get my own trailer, I get dressed up, I go to hair and makeup, I show up, I meet this dreamy man that's 
a lead on the show and I'm playing his wife and I've got this southern accent, it was probably awful. And I was too short, so then the construction guys come out and they build this little bridge for me. So as they dolly along this big grandiose ship at the naval base, I'm the same height as him, we say our lines. I got people offering me coffee. I've got a warm, cozy coat. And I'm looking over at my friends in background who are huddled freezing over there. We're kind of waving at each other. And that whole separation thing, I was like, this is a bit weird. Anyways, all this to say, I think I made, I didn't have an agent, obviously. I think I made $600, which was scale, whatever the going rate is at that time. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I was waitressing going through theater school. So I just remember I went into my little Honda Accord at the end of the night and I signed off the sheet. I wasn't even a union member, but anyways, I went and I like sat in my little Honda Accord and I grabbed the steering wheel and I remember it so clearly just thinking, I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. Like it felt like Christmas morning. It felt like magic. And I will say, um, I mean, I've probably done around 50 movies and even the stinkiest of the stinkers, not mm -hmm. a day goes by or on set where I don't have a moment of like, holy shit, I can't believe I get to do this for a living. It's still there. So I'm not saying it's easy, but that joy, like people are always like, what's your backup plan? And I'm like, what, what? And like, I don't know. Anyways, so that was a little bit of a tirade, but I think that keeping the joy there is is very important. Yeah. Get a lot of rejection in this too. Got yeah, but that's that's awesome. I love that. That that was kind of that moment uh, for you, and it's it's really good. Um, a lot of people, again, it's uh, they. They go in and out because there is an ebb and flow to the business, right? And then uh, there are so many people on the outside that are telling them that they should be doing something. Else. So has that happened with you as well, or you've been able to kind of keep your boat uh, uh, flowing in one direction? I think when I originally started, my parents were quite concerned that, you know, and my, my mother had even said, when I got accepted as a theater major, there's no acting, like it was, she was a little bit concerned. Mm -hmm. And she said, oh, you're gonna go and study acting. And I said, and I remember I just looked at her and I was like, well, mom, someone's gotta do it. Like someone has to do it. And of course at 17, I was very headstrong and because she didn't want me to, obviously that's what I went and did. I mean, obviously, and that was the only resistance I had. I, um, it's the only thing in my life, Alan, that I've never questioned. And I've never, like, I don't think anyone's ever told me because I just don't, like, it's not even a, like, this is what I'm doing. I don't, all that's like, it's not an option. It's not even a, it's the most, in my life, this path is the most confident that I am. I'm like, nope, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And that's that's great. Have there been, uh, from an internal perspective, because again, of the ebbs and flows, have there been lean times where you started questioning it, or it was like, nope, it's just going to happen. I need to continue working, and it'll work. I've been very fortunate that I have consistently worked, and I think that, um, I mean, everyone's like, you know, you have this idea of like, Brad Pitt, Nicole Kidman, this point zero zero bit of our acting population. Um, and obviously like it's so much bad admiration and stuff, but like, it's less about being at that caliber. The fact that I can make a living as an actor, it's, mm -hmm. it's honestly, it's crazy. Like I, I love it. And there are, I mean, it shifts as, um, an actor, as you age, like, and I, and I'm not Debbie Downer on being an actor is getting older. I'm not, I actually think 
that some of the juicier, amazing roles come for women in their 50s and 60s. And now we're starting to really see that on these cable shows. And and there's brilliant women that are paving the way for this. And we're at a place in society where that those doors are being opened up more. Anyways, but it, it does ebb and shift. I remember I went from my 20s not being the ingenue anymore to start playing mothers. And I was like, what? And now, like, I'm the mother to, uh, I'm the mom on Holly Hobby, and, like, my son is 19 years old. He's got an eight-pack. It's ridiculous. I'm like, how did, I feel like I'm 12. Anyways, it, it shifts and stuff, but no, I, I, I count myself very, 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 very lucky to be a working actor, and I've, I've never had, I mean, the pandemic has been tricky, but even mm. last year, like, I was able to get on two series, and they're very safe on set doing things, and so I'm just I'm very grateful and keeping at it. Yeah, thankfully Vancouver has been much better uh, in terms of uh, stuff continuing to shoot as opposed to LA or New York. So um, speaking of LA, you said that you know, you've, uh, you've lived in LA for ten years before coming back. Uh, what uh, kind of spurred the move uh, to go from Canada down uh, down south? I think it's a similar journey for quite a few Canadians. Um, I was very grateful to do two shows, like be the lead of two shows. I did Godiva's, um, which was more of an ensemble. And then I did Being Erica. And like that yeah. show was, it completely changed me personally, professionally. Yeah. It was, she was such a dynamic character that was really an all spectrum, played all spectrums of the rainbow. And uh, it was, it was, it was carried throughout, like on the BBC Bible, I think it, it was internationally in 180 countries. Like it did very well, but there's only like so much that can happen um, mm -hmm. uh, in Canada. So I think a lot of actors get to a point where they just want to go down. Like if you're, if you want to be the best surfer in the world, you're not going to live in Idaho. Probably going to move to Hawaii, probably going to move to, you, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So not to say that Canada doesn't have an, an insanely thriving film industry, but a lot of the stuff that shoots in Toronto and Vancouver are American shows. Yep. Uh, so get down to Los Angeles and be in a position where you're going to be in the room with casting directors face to face. Mm -hmm. I think puts you at an at an advantage, and then also being able to have your Canadian citizenship to be able to go back and shoot there. It's it's mm -hmm. a bonus. It is. It was the biggest transition though I ever made, and I. Even after 10 years, I kind of was like, I don't know if I'm good at it. <laughs> like, it's a big, but I think that, you know, uh, Los Angeles is the mecca for acting in the world. And that's why you've got Aussies, you've got, it's got a huge Irish community there. You've got all the people from New Zealand, the, from the UK, like there's all these pockets and everyone goes there because that's where the stuff's made. So, yep. Yeah. Yeah, um, I was talking to uh, Sujith uh, Varagis, uh, who's a wonderful Canadian actor uh, in Toronto, and he was saying that for a long time, it's starting to change now, but for a long time, if you're a Canadian actor and you want to work in Canada, you have to be uh, working out of LA. Um, so move to LA, then you can uh, come back and actually do more more of the regular stuff that's shot in Canada. So it's uh, silly. It's, it's strange. Maybe maybe American producers are like, oh well, we also when you a lot of, a lot of things are shot in Canada because you get tax credits and because our dollar, right? Yeah. Phenomenal crews, like phenomenal crews. So it's mm -hmm. an advantageous for an American production to take their company to Canada. They're saving money. 
but what they also must do is fulfill a certain amount of Canadian content. So if you're a Canadian actor and you go to Los Angeles, um, I think this will be like, great, we have this American, depending if you have your green card, or whatever you're we have this wonderful uh, actor here, but when we go back to Canada, they will check off our box for Canadian content. That's, I was not thinking about that. I always looked at it as the Canadian actors get a chance, you know, to actually do a lot of the bigger um, productions, smaller roles, you know, co-stars, because there is that portion that has to be Canadian. I did not realize that when you're in LA as a Canadian, that gives you another leg up on being in that show in a more serious role because you're also checking that box. That's cool. And also a lot of times they'll say, great, you can get the role, but you have to work as a local. Right, of Dep course. What your deal is so sometimes you have to go back and work in Toronto and in Vancouver we have to pay for your own accommodation because you yeah. are the king there's a lot of kind of like yeah. depending on the show like if you're doing supernatural or something they're like we're gonna put you up we got some bucks but like some of the smaller things I don't know I've had a little bit of both so it just depends how much you want the role and yeah. all that stuff yeah but it's I mean I feel lucky that I can work in both countries it's pretty amazing. yeah absolutely and uh you know, you mentioned that you you know, were learning French as an elective. Um, I know there is a big kind of delineation between what happens in Toronto and Vancouver and what happens in uh, Montreal. So have you had a chance to work on the other side or the French has to be here before you even consider it? Honestly, me saying French elective, I like, uh, je m'appelle Aaron. Okay. Bonjour. That's my extent of de Francais. I that's the extent of it. I did work in Montreal for the first time a couple of years ago with a, the, the most phenomenal production company called Incendo. And I remember my agent, she called me up and she said, Aaron, you've been offered this role in this movie. And um and and she went on and on to say like what a wonderful reputation they have. They work out of Montreal. They're like a fine well-oiled machine like all they've been working together on I don't know how many projects they've done together they're very classy they're very welcoming and warm and my experience of shooting in Montreal was mind-blowing I mean to be in Montreal in the summertime is beautiful that said the, the two other actresses and I were all Anglos and the crew is mostly francophone so when we would go to shoot even the director was French and she would be very there and but at, like on day three they're english they they kind of stopped using english with us and so the only time i knew it was going they'd be like um Saturn, Saturn, and that means rolling rolling so literally kate and i would be sitting there and we would not know what's going on and we'd hear like Saturn, Saturn, and we'd like jump up and we'd know that we we're gonna then we'd shoot the thing and they'd say coupe and then we'd be done and that, uh, that yeah but it was they were the nicest most wonderful people but i've only shot there once and i think it's wonderful I got you. Very cool. And uh, I, outside of acting, just something that was interesting to me is uh, you have a Ukrainian background, right? Uh, your parents, or how, well, tell me a little bit more about that. Oh, I so I was looking on IMDb yesterday. I, I'm not always on it, but it says that my parents are from the Soviet Prussia something. And I was like, what? And there's no way to delete it. So IMDb, you're wrong. You're wrong. My yeah. was born in Saskatchewan. I am, um, my dad's parents are from the Ukraine and they came over prior to the First World War mm -hmm. and settled in 
Saskatchewan, and then my mom's, uh, my grandmother on my mom's side was from the United States, and my grandfather was from uh, London, England. Hmm. So the little blends, a lot of us Canadians, but there's a lot of Ukrainians in Western Canada. So yeah, Carbuck hmm. is definitely Ukrainian, but no, my parents are were all born in Canada. Very cool. Uh, I'm, you know, well, I'm not a Ukrainian, I'm an American, but uh, that's that's where I hail from. The first 14 years of my life were from uh, Ukraine, so that's one of the things that I saw. I'm like, hey, that's cool. Good for you. I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, I came here at 14, and, um, you know, for a long time, I used to work for, uh, for a Canadian company, and for a long time, people just assumed that I'm from Canada, because whatever some some ways that I say certain words, they sound Canadian. And then, you know, from May of last year, because I have spoken to so many Canadian actors, uh, anytime I say sorry, uh, I have to be very careful because now I'm starting to hear it and I'm starting to snap into the Canadian way of pronouncing it. So it's, yeah. And also I just said mom and I, when I'm back home in Alberta, I find I leave and I'm, you know, sorry and mom. But it's mom and about yeah. Yeah. yeah, whatever, whatever. Very cool. Did you get a chance to ever ever visit? Uh, did you go uh, kind of see where your parents or your dad's family is originally from? I would love to. My parents went over during their honeymoon, and then my mother, she's quite a traveler. She went back to the Ukraine uh, mm -hmm. maybe seven years ago, and I would love. To, I would absolutely love to. Yeah, she. They went back in the day. Um, and obviously, like my Bob, they took my Baba, my my dad's mother. I don't know if your audience wants to hear this, but they would go back and like it's just there was a lot of poverty there, and even like yeah. having, you know, bread with butter was a bit of a luxury. And yeah, and it, yeah, it's it, I would love to go though, hundred percent. Yeah, uh, wait a little bit because uh, you know, Russia is still that um, the whole war between Russia and Ukraine could not kind of manifest itself fully in my brain because it's it's akin to uh US going to work to go to work war no, against Canada. It's just it's one of those things that doesn't compute because you know Russia, Ukraine, it, it's it was the same country with the former Soviet Union. Uh how I understand politically speaking, I, I get that part, but like the people, how they can get into conflict with each other, that part just never worked for me so um yeah it's it's a very weird thing so wait a little bit aside from COVID. i hope your family's okay uh all of my family's here you know we all uh, we all came over so you know um there's i don't i have some some friends who are there but yeah, everybody everybody's here. yeah anyways um off of that uh, off of that tangent. so in terms of in terms of an acting approach because uh, I, I always want to kind of pick uh, pick brains on acting approach. What have you found over time that is yours? Uh, it could be you know an amalgam of things, but what have you found that okay, I need to do this in order to be successful? Um, I will say for sure that I'm not a method actor. <laughs> I'm just not focused mm -hmm. enough. I mean, I'm not to be in character all the time. Um, I've just finished nine months in the pandemic uh, studying with David Rotenberg, who's a phenomenal teacher in Toronto. Um, and I, I haven't taken, like I've, I've done lots of classes throughout my 
20 plus years, but I haven't for quite a few years. And in the pandemic, I just didn't want to get dull because I do believe that acting is like a muscle that you have to keep flexing. You know, everyone's like, how do you memorize all those lines? But it, for me, it's more than that. Um, just staying sharp and available and relaxed and malleable and da 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 da. My, basically, my basic approach is being as prepared as I possibly can. So knowing the script, knowing what my purpose and my job in, is in it. And then in creating the character, I love little tiny things that I do. Like if I'm extremely, extremely nervous about the role, like Slasher season one on Netflix, I actually had David, I did a personal coaching with him and he had me, he also read the script, we dissected it. And he had me think about like my shame around the other women in the town and what scent I wore. The musicality of the character, I think is so incredibly important because David will always say like, if you're gonna play Hamlet listening to Tupac, or if you're gonna play Hamlet listening to Mozart, you're gonna have a very different Hamlet. So I think that the musicality changes your character so much. What your relationship is with other people, like if you and I are doing a scene together, you and I could play in lover, lover, we could play in husband, wife, we could play in older brother, younger sister, older sister, younger brother, things like that, what your class is, um, what your views on religion are, um, what you think is gonna happen to you after you die. Like all these things that you, you do on your own time to create the character, because let's be honest, the majority of the time that stuff is not in the script, nor will the producer or the director or whatever care. That's up to you to kind of like flesh this out. So even if you have like a small part or, or the movie, it's not going to be making any news. It's, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a movie of the week that's not great or whatever. Um, if you flesh it out and answer all those questions and like create this fully three-dimensional thing, when you go to set, even if you throw some of it away, and a lot of it is just getting there on a the day and like looking at your partner. But if you if you create all that stuff, it shows. It just, it really does. And it makes it more relatable to the people watching as opposed to just like, I'm gonna look good because I'm having a good hair day and say my lines and, and my lighting's good or whatever. But like if you have something, and I think having secrets is good. Like mm -hmm. if you're playing Ophelia with Hamlet, what if Ophelia is pregnant when she's drowning herself? totally different the audience is never going to know the director doesn't even have to know your scene partner doesn't have to know anyways infusing with this stuff and i do get lazy because sometimes i can look at something if it's in my wheelhouse and i'll be like oh great you know you kind of fart it out and there you go but like to be like okay how am i going to challenge myself to make this yeah. the most that it can be so that's 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 genuine general generally generally how i approach the roles very cool and yeah it's because uh, that three-dimensionality um I think I said that right. That's that's what we're seeing because we're, when we're connecting with somebody, if we see a right through them, it's not interesting. You know, it, we we have to be able to to try to figure out what what is actually happening there. She said this, but hmm, that felt a little off to me. There's more behind it. I'm interested now, and then you're you're getting invested in the character. That's that's kind of a part of it. So absolutely, that's very cool that you have that approach. Here's a trick I learned for people that might be watching or listening to this that are starting off acting, or if you're if you're in the if you're in a position where you're getting like principal roles or like smaller roles, sometimes you feel the impetus to put so much on them. Like when you like when I was had my little coffee pot and I was like, here's your coffee, like you know what I mean? Like you just 
don't, there are no small rules. And I had someone say this to me once and it really resonated with me. No matter how smart, small your part is, make it's your movie, pretend that it's your movie. So when I was, you know, I went on, I played on Masters of Sex with, uh, you know, Michael Sheen and, um, oh my God, what's the lead girl's name? My brain. Um, my my scenes were with with Michael, and you know, I, at this point, like I'm I'm an experienced actor. He's obviously a phenomenal actor. We're going in, we're doing the scene. I was more of a like a recurring guest spot. It was kind of comical, but I still did the work. And when I went in to do my little monologue, I had to do. I made it so invested and real that it wasn't like Michael Sheen's show when I'm a guest on it and this and that. I was like, this woman's got a story to tell. And this is my life. So when the camera's on, I'm like doing justice to that character. And, you know, and then hopefully it pops and stands out and becomes three-dimensional, not just like, I'm serving you in this. Sometimes there's formulaic kind of networky stuff where you're like, know your role. Don't yeah. that you're upstaging anyone. But just like give your character the the due diligence that they're a full fleshed out person. And then when you're watching it, you're like, oh my God. Like there's certain actors that have small parts in shows and I'm like, they're phenomenal. Who was I just watching? Um, the friend on Queen's Gambit that she's at the orphanage with. Yeah. I don't know the actress's name, but like, I was like, who is this girl? Like, I just, I wanted to know so much about her. And then I think at the end she comes back into her life. Mm -hmm. Anyways, like whatever that girl did, I was like, that was not a supporting, like she has a supporting role, but, and she was, she supported the lead girl, but like, she was so fascinating in this, like, I wanted to be her friend. And anyways, I just, just she, was, yeah. she was great. Uh, I completely agree. And um, yeah, uh, it's, but all that whole series, uh, unfortunately, again, it's a limited run series, only seven episodes. Uh, hopefully they make another one. I know you know all the all the talk is about it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Anya was blown away just from the and okay, she has extremely pretty eyes. That's not what I'm referring to. But when you're looking in the eyes, there's so much going on. There's so much emotion, so much depth. That's what gets you immediately, regardless of anything. So and she's yeah. one of those do so much she can be still and she can say so much with her eyes yeah where like i find she's very grounded and can be subtle there's so many actors like that i am not that actor i'm very like malleable in my face and a bit um not kabuki i'm not that bad but like i'm very uh, external i don't know but like i i really try and with my acting now and i get certain roles to just try to be still and like be it's something that i'm working on for different yeah. things like there's a strength and power in like stillness and like in the eyes and you see some like so many of the great actors doing it anyways i think that she has that quality in space where you're just like absolutely. they just move your eye and you're like what's going on absolutely uh for for the younger actors starting out just to throw that little story of coming to what aaron just mentioned when you're trying to be all internal when you're just you have a story playing in your head and you want everything to be expressed in the eyes make sure that the director knows what you're doing and make sure that the, the cinematographer is putting the right camera angle on you i did you know a student film where i specifically like there was that moment where you know my son is doing something and i'm really upset but i'm tormented you know with myself and like a lot of that stuff was happening internal it was really still it was all in the eyes and i'm watching how they did it and the camera 
and the camera is here and you can barely see my eyes. I'm like, come on. I just look like I'm standing there doing nothing. You know what is huge and knowing your, it took me a really long time to know my relation, to get my relationship with the camera. And honestly, having a series, you get so intimate with the camera. I actually feel really comfortable. I love it. Like I'm being Erica, we did all these like, uh, she goes back and forth through time. So we had a lot of these like transitions where it like goes right into your eye. Like it's, and the camera operators were so phenomenal. Angelo, I love you. Um, and they, they was just like this dance that you can do with them. And like, tele, like acting on television and film, it also becomes very technical. And if, had I not had the experience I have, cause they don't give it to you. It's like this dance and really also knowing, and you don't have to know this your first year or two of acting, but if you can like grab a DP one day and be like, Hey, can you go through the lenses with me? Because, and, and know when a director comes in, like look at the shots and be like, cause they generally start off with like a master then they'll pop it on two or a cowboy thing and then they'll do your like your close-ups right like that's it's pretty standard but if you have something to tell and also conserve your energy my first role was on a show called jeremiah one of my first roles with luke perry who was like so kind he was the executive producer and i was so nervous and my boyfriend's dying in it and i have to cry and so nervous and i showed up and he just like um came over to me and he said Aaron we're here for you like well, we're so excited to have you whatever you need from this you just you know and he's like sexy and cool and I'm like I was such a 902 and I was like oh my god anyways we come to do the blocking and I'm like throwing myself against the wall and I'm crying and I'm like you know because I didn't know that I had to conserve it or whatever so by the time like they do the wide and then when they come in on me I was very young I had a lot of energy so I could probably keep it going but now like an older actress I'm like I want to save it like I don't if they're coming in depending on how I relate to the material if it can come every time sure why not and I always bring it for the other actor in their coverage because it really makes a difference like don't be ashamed of that and often than not I, I guarantee there's so many actresses that would agree when it's the other person's coverage and the camera's off and you have no like the agenda it's probably your best performance yep. Michael would always joke of being Erica he was like well that was I wish they shot that one but anyways, to conserve and to know like when, where your camera's gonna be, because so often you, you like watching, you're like, why did they, it's up to you as the actor to know, like look at the camera. And like, if you're not aware, DPs love chatting and if not the camera operators or even the focus puller, if you can grab them. And if, and if they're setting up, just go by and pop and look behind the monitor where the director is. And you'll see, you can see what they're doing on the stand in and be like, oh, okay that's it so that like my performance if we're doing a scene if it's going to be like right here mm -hmm. i'm going to be telling the story in a very different way then if it's here i'm going to be a bit more you know what i mean like no and the difference between film and television and where so it's up to you to i find that once i got the technical stuff and i'm still learning down then it made me so much more free because it's this dance it's this dance you do with the crew and you gotta hit your marks and you gotta not block people's light and don't overlap on dialogue. And people are like, oh, I just wanna act, I just wanna be free. But you're kind of selfish if you're if you're just like, I wanna be free, do the work, know the techniques so that so well that it becomes second nature so that when you're actually acting, you can tell the story and then you don't have to do ADR. You don't have to retake a beautiful shot of your partners because you were blocking their light or because you did hit their mark and were covering the camera. You know, and I've even had camera operators, like, I'm like, if I don't, I can't always see red tape and they always give me red teeth, 
So I, if I know, and I've been doing this for 20 years, if I know I'm not going to hit my mark because I have to keep looking at something, I ask for a bean bag. The crew loves it. If you're like, hey, Johnny, do you mind throwing down a bag? It, I don't feel dumb for doing it. I know that when I walk, my high heel is going to hit the thing and I know to stop and I can keep going. It's like I'm on, hmm. you know, I, I'm not worrying about like doing the Columbo, like where's my mark? Yeah, I don't know. It's, I think that knowing technique is really important important and I was grateful that I learned with such a good crew and I had like you know what I mean doing such weird technical shots that were it's fun it's fun I'm blabbing but I blab no this is this is all important again because they don't teach you this uh so one of the reasons why I wanted to have a show that you know I, I know audience may not care about these aspects but some actors do and it will help them so listen actors because this will be helpful when you're actually trying to be in that environment it'll make things a lot easier. Uh, anyway. um, as we wrap up just just again to uh to let people know a little bit more about you Karen, uh, outside of the acting uh world what is it that kind of defines you i know we know what you do for a living we know you love it and it's uh, joy and sunshine to you, but what else is there to Aaron that you can Honestly, I, I mean, there's no, I guess there's no wrong way to answer this question, but during the pandemic and coming home to my small town, I'm in a national park in Canada, in Alberta, Jasper National Park, that is just, it's the most beautiful, magical place in the whole world, I think bias being from here but we do have millions of tourists coming every year because there's glacial water and there's mountains and anyways i've learned through the pandemic and being home and you know going from los angeles to this very small canadian town again how much i love 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 nature and how much it's essential for my health and well-being spiritually and mentally not to mention physically as well for me to get out and like breathe this fresh air and like have the wildlife around and just nature. It's something that I'm really connecting with after, like I haven't spent a, a summer in Jasper since I was 19. So to be here, it's just like, the pandemic is awful. There's also some silver lining in it. Mm -hmm. And one of the silver linings is like bringing me home to connect with my family. I just became an aunt. My brother had his first child, he had a little baby girl. And like this stuff, I love my career. It's like Christmas day, it makes me, more happy than almost anything but being home in a beautiful place respecting honoring enjoying being grateful for nature and my family that's just like a big part of what i'm doing right now so yeah, yeah. Uh, nature uh, I, I agree completely i have not been to jasper uh but i i'm planning on on visiting once things open up um, in terms of uh, again being an actress uh, yourself and uh, and being in different genres, when you're sitting back and just uh, relaxing at home and you want to watch something, what kind of things would you watch that are more parent? I think that um, I'm very grateful in my career. I my agents put me out for like everything under the moon so i'm very lucky that they believe that i'm versatile and i can do the comedy and the drama and all this mm -hmm. so i think that's reflected in what i also watch right now i'm watching the crown with my mother because mm -hmm. it's a nice one for us to watch but then i also like stinky bachelorette because i love just shutting off and watching like 
you learn from it as an actor though because you're like because these people are it's not scripted i mean it's a bit fabricated with the producers but my golly you can learn a lot as an actor watching that um i love brian cranston i love breaking bad i'm watching your honor right now i watched flight attendant um i, I love watching nature shows there's a new one called wild uh nature gone wild right now on a and e and it's so good and it's short little clips um the only the only genre and i'm not gonna get so much flack for this the only genre that i don't um love watching is science fiction so if i have an audition for uh, like a star track or something i really have to hunker in and like put on my my different skill set it doesn't come naturally to me even though i love like imaginative stuff i just I don't love sitting down and watching spaceships. Okay. I can feel the hate coming at me. But my friends make a great living doing it. And people that, and the audiences that are, I have done like, I don't think Supernatural is not super sci-fi sci-fi, but mm -hmm. like the, the people that love them though, I just am like the, the conventions that they do and stuff. I love watching people dress up and go to these convention and their conviction and their love for these characters. Um, I had a lot of friends on Battlestar Galactica. I was blown up in the pilot. I went out for Grace Park's role. And then my friend Zachary went out for Tomo's role. He played Hilo. We didn't get the parts, but Michael Reimer, the director, he liked Zap and I. So he made me Boxy's aunt. And Zap was, I don't know, Zap and I were buddies on this planet. I don't know. We got blown up in the pilot. And that went on to be like such a monster success. I have so many friends on it. They do signing conventions and you know, it was a wonderful, it was also kind of, it wasn't super sci-fi. It also had a lot of heart to it. Hmm. Anyways, that to say my, my little bits that I have done, I like, but I wouldn't sit down and, and, uh, watch sci-fi. Watch sci-fi. No, that's, that's weird. Last question as we wrap up, if you had a chance to uh, go back in time using those sci-fi principles, you're not that interested in, uh, in watching, and had a chance to talk to young Aaron, who's just starting out in acting with that coffee cup and spiky hair, and give her one piece of advice, what would that be? Sorry, I just have that. Um, if I could go back and talk to my younger self about acting? Yeah. Oh. Um, uh, it's so weird because I think that I have I'm 42 now. It took me this long to kind of like learn what I've learned. So I don't know that my younger self, I would, I would go back and I would say, have fun, work harder than you think you need to. Don't like rest on what's coming in. Don't rely on your agents just to get you the work. You've got to constantly be like growing and expanding. And the biggest thing I would say to my younger self is keep your energy and your experience inside. Don't let the out, don't let the externals affect it. I think that's the most important thing for me in life too, is just to be like, what's happening in here? Because I think actors can be very empathetic. And mm -hmm. if you're on set, I would go to set every day. And if the if my transfer driver was having a bad day or the catering person said something mean or the hair person hair gal broke up with her boyfriend, I would take all that energy in and I'd want to make it uh, so that it would be very stressful for me throughout the day. And it came from a good place, but like being mature with your emotions and how you 
handle your facility. Mm. Now it's like, it doesn't mean you're shut off from people, but like protect your space, have boundaries, protect your energy so that when you do work, you can be totally there. And you'll actually be, I think, more enjoyable for people to be around when you're not soaking things in like a sponge and like what's happening all around. It's like, what's happening in here? Am I okay? And, and once that's solid, then you're better for other people, if that makes sense. It does. You're an empath, and I know what that feels like. So it makes a lot of sense. I'm 45, about to be 46, and it took me a long time, and I'm still grappling. Yeah, I think it's. I think we're just. It's gonna. It's a long process, and it's wonderful. Enjoy it. Yeah. Well, at least it, it gives us an opportunity to understand people and relate to people, which, from an acting perspective, is great because in a scene you can use that uh, to really connect. Totally. Absolutely. Perfect. Aaron, thank you so much for jumping in. I really, really appreciate it. Um, it's been a lot of fun. I, I know we went on a lot of tangents, but that's just the way I like it. So people, if you don't like it, put your comments right below. Uh, thank you. <laughs> well, sorry. Sorry. Right, exactly. Sorry. Uh, everybody, thank you very much for joining us on The Love of Acting. We know you like it as much as we do. If you don't like me talking, just fast forward and move on from there. Thank you, everyone. Take care.